Hey everyone, I'm David Brussel. And I'm Marcus Terran. And this is The Thermal Review, a podcast about sensing, imaging, and automation advancements from the perspective of a couple technology geeks. In each episode, we discuss how the world is changing for cloud-based monitoring, quality assurance, and non-destructive testing. We've witnessed a lot of change over the past couple of decades working in the imaging solution space. We hope to share some of that experience and that of our guests in helping spread the word on solving problems with thermal imaging. All right. In this episode of the Thermal Review, we discuss how the industrial internet of things combined with thermal imaging is changing how companies monitor and prevent fires in industrial settings. Marcus, yes. how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing very well. This is an interesting topic this IOT and uh, early fire detection thermal imaging. Why is this such a, a, a relevant topic today? Well, I guess because we have managed to combine thermal imaging technology with cloud-based monitoring, which I think is pretty much the first time this has been done. Mm. And it's kind of revolutionizing the, the IOT world, if you will, by adding some, some really advanced sensing capability to the platform. In, in our last episode, we really talked and focused a lot on IoT and, oh my gosh, just how it's revolutionizing uh, automation, uh, condition monitoring. We even mentioned briefly early fire detection in, in simplifying things. And maybe for those who didn't listen to our last episode in a nutshell, you can just describe, I mean, we've been doing this a long time, you and I. <laughs> how, how has that changed or simplified the setup from then to now? In utilizing this IOT, yeah. So um, back in the days, <laughs> decades ago, when we did this um, the first time, we basically connected thermal cameras to PCs, running uh, you know a Windows operating system and custom design software, and then we would do image processing on the software and, and then make decisions based on that. But everything was tied down locally to a PC, um, and then we would have to talk to external devices for alarming and that sort of thing. So getting any sort of remote sensing capability or alarming capability was, was inherently difficult. There weren't any tools available really that made that simple. So everything turned out to be a custom solution, a custom job. Um, even communications uh, protocols such as MQTT, and, and, and those kind of things often used in IoT networks nowadays weren't, they didn't exist. They were just not there. Mm. So everything was really handcrafted from scratch. Wow. And, and therefore it was very cumbersome. It was very lengthy development time that was very expensive. Yeah. Right. So nowadays in IoT, there are certain frameworks available that allow data to be pushed into a cloud and uh, notifications to be sent out um, via text message, via email even voice, uh, voice call capabilities. Um, and so there's, there's a lot more capability there, but what, what wasn't in existence um, was the capability of taking a complex thermal imaging camera and combining that, boiling it down to something simple that can measure temperature and use that as a, as a sensor essentially for you know, early fire detection, for mm. example. Yeah, I know. Well, so you come from the solution space. I come from the uh, thermal imaging space. And, and I remember, yeah, decades ago, us being the old guys that we are, I mean, these cameras were, were big, uh, bulky, uh, expensive, and, and they didn't have the communication protocols that they have now 
which has really changed how you develop solutions. I mean, in fact, that's how you and I met was I'm working for a, 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 a thermal imaging manufacturer, producer of infrared camera systems. We made great cameras, yep. but the customers needed a solution wrapped around it. They, they need right. more than just a camera. Right. And back in the days, it was really just an image streaming protocol, which which even that they struggled with any sort of standards, right? Yeah. Back in the days, it was um, any sort of, uh, in the beginning, uh, you know, LVDS parallel sort of interfaces. You needed even a frame grabber in the PC. Yeah. And then you would read out the information from the camera pixel by pixel basis. And um, there weren't uh, drivers available. You had to hand code everything. It was just, a, you know, just getting... Just getting an image on on the screen was just like a hurrah moment. Right? It was. It almost reminds me, and now it's really gonna go back in time, when when I connected first to the internet with a three hundred baud modem. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I know that wow. the, the younger listeners are gonna go like what? <laughs> and and we would have the dial-up modems, and we would download uh, you know one hundred and twenty kilobyte JPEG, and it took a few minutes, and you would see it building line by line on the screen. That's and we crazy. would like, wow, look at this. We were able to download an image from the internet, right? So that's that's how far we have come from from back there to nowadays. We have actual smart cameras that that do the image processing on board of the camera. Mm. No PC necessary. You can draw regions of interest and say, hey, give me the maximum temperature here, and then we 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 pick up that temperature and 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 you know relay it up to the cloud. Yeah. You know. What? Well, why do you? Why do you think we're hearing so much about early fire detection, thermal imaging now? It seems like within the past couple of years, it's been, pardon the pun, I mean, a hot subject, hot topic. Do you have an idea why that is? I think, um, I mean, if you think about it, what sort of sensors are out there that can traditionally, that can mm. do a remote fire detection? There isn't really anything there right yeah. i mean the the best thing i can think of is a smoke detector which typically just works indoors yeah right and most of us know this from i know this i cook sometimes and something starts smoking a little bit too much and the smoke detector goes off and it's really annoying right <laughs> and i grab my magazine and i fan around and try to get <laughs> the smoke detector to to, to shut up um, and so that's that's as far as it goes to, to to remote detection. But if you're going outdoors in an industrial setting, you're looking at some sort of a pile or recycling facility outdoors. How can you tell that a fire starts 500 feet away from where you're standing? I mean, a human can do that. Yeah. By smoke development, by maybe seeing flames. But there isn't really much of a sensor solution out there that can do that. Um, there are some UV flame detectors out there that are being used in, in the oil and gas industry and those kind of things, but they're single pixel devices. There's like, is there somewhere, somewhere out there, is there something happening? Mm. With a thermal camera though, you have thousands of pixels there, so you can actually see, you have a spatial awareness of your scene that the camera sees, like with any other camera. The difference is that now you can see heat, right? And so now you can see if there's any sort of hotspot out there. And, and, and you have spatial awareness, you can measure the temperature, and, and, and you have much more more intelligence in, in that information kind of a thing. Right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I say this a lot, and I think I even said this in our last episode, that thermal imaging is like the oldest emerging technology out there. Right. I, I mean, it's been around for 50 plus years. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> even, even calibrated, temperature calibrated cameras have been around decades where you can not only uh, see a thermal image, 
But like you were talking about, you can extract a temperature value. The camera itself will you know, run the, the calibration algorithms and spit out temperature measurements from yep. regions of interest. If, if, in fact, for our listeners, we should probably mention, we're, we're recording this podcast in both visible and in, in thermal. So if you happen to listen to this podcast and you're interested in, in seeing it, I think you can watch it on our YouTube channel, right. the Mobile Therm YouTube channel, and, and see us. I, I got to believe this is a first ever podcast <laughs> probably <laughs> recorded in thermal. But we wanted to illustrate uh, the, the technology, the capability. And uh, so if you do happen to watch uh, the, the broadcast via YouTube, you'll, you'll see Marcus and I in thermal. Um, we can do things like thermal handprints on the wall where you can now see the thermal print of my hand left behind. The technology has just evolved. It's, it's, it's so sensitive to temperature differences. Like what? I, I mean, like 20, 20 millikelvin? Right. And, and better in some cases. Right, right. I mean, very minute uh, temperature differences. Yeah. So to your point, I mean, <laughs> identifying a hot spot at a, at a, a significant distance away is is relatively easy with a high resolution, meaning pixel resolution camera, where you have thousands of pixels that can measure a temperature, and uh, with the right lens and sensitivity, you can you're detecting hotspots, not smoke. Right. Yeah. Before it becomes an issue, that's that's the thing. It's really an early fire detection. That's really the emphasis is on early, not yeah. like I mean. Yeah. Big deal if you have a lot of smoke up there and you have a lot of flames, it's too late. Yeah. You want to catch it before it really ignites, ideally before, you know, those are some extra valuable minutes that, that somebody can go there and respond to it. And you may not need the fire hose yet. You can maybe just pull the, the hot battery or package or something out of a recycle pile and say, hey, hmm. I caught this early before it became a disaster, right? And and, and save a lot of, lot of money, maybe save some lives and, and you know, but to your point earlier, when you said, why, why has it become so popular? I think it's also um, a, a level of education because a lot of people are not familiar with thermal imaging, yeah. right? Everybody thinks about um, your sprinkler system, your, 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 your smoke detection and all those kind of things. And I think, um, I think the, the acceptance out there isn't quite there yet. It has increased uh, and the awareness isn't quite there yet. I mean, that's why we are doing podcasts like this to kind of um, create that awareness and, and help heighten it, um, you know, what this technology can actually do and how you can apply it to something useful. Yeah. What's interesting is, yeah, with thermal imaging, uh, most people uh, think of, you know, finding, you know, bad guys, right? <laughs> seeing in the dark and seeing the heat. Um, you know, years ago when we had the, uh, I'm from the Boston area and we had the, right, the, the, Boston bomber. the Boston bomber. And you may recall they, they they found right the bomber utilizing uh, infrared technology was mounted on a helicopter. Very unique in the sense that it was a, a midwave sensor and he was hiding under a boat cover and it was somewhat transparent in that particular wave band, which is a whole right. other podcast talking about that science. But most people think of, of that when they hear thermal imaging. Uh, not not many are aware or understand that. Yeah, with that same technology now, you can measure temperature. And then there's these right. industrial applications and automation applications and fire detection, early fire detection applications. Yep. So, yeah, it kind of is like the newest, oldest technology on, on the market. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely it is. It is reinvented, I guess. We're still, it amazes me, 
you know, I've been running this company for 22 plus years and being exposed for that long to thermal imaging and seeing it come, come to life, if you will. But even after 22 years, we still discover yet new applications. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like almost never ending. There's, there's more and more ideas that are coming up because uh, temperature is, is kind of omnipresent in any sort of process in industrial manufacturing. There are temperature changes. There's, there's, there's either excessive heat that you need to get rid of. And if you don't, there's something happening that may not be beneficial to the, to the quality of the product. Or it's an intentional process that you actually need to monitor and make sure that the temperature is uh, properly applied. For instance, if, if you have some sort of a web application and you need, you need to dry your web that's, that's coming out of a machine, you know, how do you make sure that it's um, uniformly dry? Yeah. You know, I, I used to work many, many moons ago, I used to work in the textile industry and, and there was fabric like, like bull denim from, from jeans or something coming out of a machine and they needed to properly dry and uniformly dry it. Otherwise, um, the, the, the dye stuff would, would fade uh, in, into different colors. And then if you have shirts hanging, um, you know, in your retail stores and, and they're all supposed to be blue and some of them are darker blue and lighter blue, even though it's the same shirt, that's not acceptable. Yeah. So for that reason, process control is very important as an example. And, and um, they used um, pyrometers. You know, they used one on the left side, one in the center and one on the right side. But that doesn't tell you very well the uniformity. Yeah, across. what's going on between those spots. Right. Yeah. And now you can use, they basically had three pixels across the whole web. But now, now you can put thousands of them and, and really measure to, you know, like a, an eighth of, a, of an inch or even smaller resolution. Mm. You, you can measure how uniform it has been dried, you know, as an example for that. Yeah. It's amazing what happens when people start to think thermally instead of visibly and, and, and the various... Uh, problems you can solve when you start to think that way. And I heard, I can't remember who said it, but years ago when I was first kind of getting into the technology of thermal imaging, somebody said that, you know, think of what happens to the human body when it becomes sick or it's, or it's having an issue. And usually there's a, a fluctuation in the temperature, the temperature changes, and there's many mechanical systems, electrical systems, processes that experience something very similar. There's a change right. in temperature from normal operation. Yeah. And when you start to think that way and you can utilize one of these you know, cameras along with some software and hardware behind it to create the solution. Wow. Yeah. It, it's amazing. I, I'm going to, I want to mention something real quick because I, <laughs> I love the company name Moby Therm. And, and we have it here, right? If you're watching yeah. this broadcast, you'll see we have the, the Moby Therm logo, logo, which includes our tagline, Advanced Thermal Solutions, yeah. which makes sense. That's what we do. Yeah. Uh, but I loved when I asked you, well, what, what does Moby Therm stand for? And what did you tell me? It's motion vision thermography. Motion vision thermography. And, and the reason for that is that typically what we look at, um, maybe production lines or something that's moving, that's the motion component. Yeah. Vision is really uh, extracted from machine vision, meaning the camera providing vision. Um, and then thermography, right? So that's that's the combination yeah. um, of these of these kind of things. So I really like it. The, the tagline and 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 the the brand name itself just blend together so yeah. nicely. Yeah, yeah. It really describes uh, what you've been doing here for the longest time, and and what you know since I've, I think I've been here a year now, come hey. July. Wow, I know. Wow, that's awesome. But I've known Marcus, and I've worked. We've been together fifteen plus years. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just working on different ends of the 
of the company spectrum, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> on the sensor side and on the solution side. So let let's let's talk a little bit about this IoT, and you kind of hit on this about how 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 does marrying IIoT with this thermal imaging technology um, re really you know impact industrial and early fire detection? Yeah. So let's maybe back off a little bit and, and, and explain to the listeners what IIoT stands for for the folks that don't sure, know. Sure. So there's there's terms that are being thrown around IoT as well as IIoT. So IoT stands for um, Internet of Things and IIoT is Industrial Internet of Things. So it's a subgroup of IoT. We are in the industrial space, so we we think that we are categorized under the IIoT, if you will. But yeah. you know, IoT that's kind of interchangeably being used. Um, IoT is more typically more on the consumer side of things. So what that really means, um, the term was coined um, to basically say, in the traditional sense, what was connected to the internet, and those mm. were computers. For the yeah. longest time since the inception of the internet, those were personal computers that were connected to it, and almost exclusively. And then later on, um, embedded design engineers got the idea, well, we have this vast network around the world. Why don't we utilize this for sensors and then you know data transfer of other by other means? So with the advent of, of um, embedded systems, um, they became internet capable. Mm. Um, so more and more sensors were connected to these devices. Um, and nowadays it has evolved into you, you, your fridge has an internet connection, a Wi-Fi connection, if you will. So the fridge now is considered an internet of things, right? Um, or, or part of the device of the internet of things. So more and more things are being connected to the internet that are not PC based. Yeah. You know, you watch your, your, your little, uh, like I said, mentioned in, in our first episode, like your, your sprinkler system, um, you know, measuring um, the moisture content in, in your lawn. Does it really need to be yeah, irrigated I, right now? I have that right now. In fact, yeah, right. my, my, my controller, it speaks directly to the internet so it knows what is the current forecast and right. it, it decides if it's going to water or not. I, exactly. I don't even think about it anymore. Right, right. Yeah. And th there's kind of two, two topics out there. There's, there's the, the, the big data topic where you have high-speed, high-resolution data being pumped to the cloud. Mm -hmm. And then there's IoT on the other side. That's usually more event-based monitoring, and the data throughput is a lot lower. It's just an occasional, here's some data, let's say, once a minute, okay. you're getting an update. For instance, for your sprinkler system, it doesn't need to check the weather, <laughs> no. you know, 500 times a second. That I mean, it changes. I mean, I live in New England, and they say, just wait a minute, the weather will change. But no. Yeah, right? Yeah. So to put that in contrast, because those two topics are out there with respect to cloud monitoring. It's the big data topic uh, that really is concerned with high-speed, high-volume sort of data for okay. the stuff that's, that needs that. And then the IoT is really more like informational, but it's also very much based on event-based sort of monitoring. So if there's some alarm for something Let, let's say you have a you have a leak alarm on your on your uh, water heater at home at home yeah. you know they tend to to corrode and rust through and then you have this big uh, mess in, in in your basement in your garage wherever the water heater is um, and they typically have like a little catch pen uh, so there's little leak detectors that are iot based you can put them on there and mm. then it notifies you and says hey you know i'm, I'm sensing a water leak you know and it usually starts slow it starts dripping a little bit and then you still have enough time to, to do something about it, right? Yeah. So this is an event. There's something that happened. It, you're not going to look at that sensor 
15 times a day and wonder if your water heater is well, I hope not. Right? Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, that's what I mean by event-based. It's really just notifying you when something happens out of the ordinary, some sort of notification based on an abnormal situation, right? So, so I can, I can kind of see how that event-based connectivity and thermal imaging, IoT, early fire detection yep. work. Maybe, I mean, maybe you could talk about what, what do we actually do with the infrared camera and, and, and what is it doing Let's say looking at a coal pile, or, or it could be anything, right? Coal right. could be biomass. Anything that could catch fire or could gets be a too metal hot. pile, right? Laundry, even, right? Right. Yeah. right. yeah, we have some installation in in the industrial laundry space as well for for early fire detection. So what the the thermal camera actually does, you, you're pointing it at some area <clears throat> that you have concerns about something getting too hot, meaning okay. being an ignition source, a fire source, something along those lines, and. Um, you know, for a smart camera, you create what we call a region of interest or an area of interest. You, you, you draw a little frame in your image of the thermal camera and say, okay, in this image or in the subsection of this image, I want to measure anything that gets over X temperature, yeah. which I deem to be harmful for whatever reason. And that changes from, from application to application, really. Um, and then you may also have other hot objects in the scene that you know they're hot, but it's okay that they're hot. So you want to ignore those, okay? right? So that's an important uh, piece um, to understand as a challenge of this application is to say, well, there could be known hotspots in the image that I don't want to get a false alarm for because I know they're there. You know, it could be some motor running or, or, or some hot steam coming out somewhere and we're like, okay, yeah, we know. Typical industrial setting, right? Right, <laughs> yeah. So, so the cameras have the ability to mask that region out. And typically the camera is mounted fixed in a fixed location. And if there's a pipe that's hot, you can literally with a, almost like a paint drawing tool, mm. draw over this and say, ignore these pixels that are hot because nice. we know they're hot. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's a very simple mitigation or you use a region of interest and just exclude certain region. You can do a polygonal sort of a shape and just draw around certain things you want to exclude. So those are simple mitigation strategies for, for avoiding any sort of false alarms. But it gets more complicated. Um, imagine you have um, some sort of a recycling pile or a bio sort of, sort of a fuel pile, coal pile, whatever the case may be. And you have typically heavy equipment driving around mm. front loaders or something like this that are shoveling the, the pile around. Or you have um, for, for waste management, you have a waste truck coming in and dumping the waste down there or something. So these vehicles... Um, typically have hot components on them. I imagine, right? yeah. Like a hot exhaust pipe or yeah. a brake or an engine component that expo that's exposed or something. So the, the problem is how do you differentiate between um, a, a normal occurrence of something warm or hot showing up in the image versus the stuff that you want to look for? Mm. And, and, and that seems on the surface, yeah, okay, well, that's a vehicle. What's the big deal? But we have to, we don't have the intelligence of a human being there making that decision. There's no reasoning capability typically in a system like this. So now you have to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? What is the mitigation strategy now for excluding a vehicle that could have some sort of a more or less random sort of a path where it's driving around? And that all of a sudden becomes a really tough challenge. Yeah. Sounds and, complex. I mean, you don't want, right. again, you don't want somebody having to sit in front of a monitor and, and, and watch and say, oh, there's a truck here. Let's ignore the alarms. Right. Yeah, and, so. and after a while, it, it you know it becomes a, a nuance, 
a nuisance uh, rather that where, where people are just going to say hey you know we're just going to ignore these alarms but that's not good because when the real alarms <laughs> when the real alarm comes along then then you have a problem so we have other mitigation strategies right now that we have built in um, in our IoT platform where we have vehicle tracking built in. Mm. We can actually sense the, the, the GPS location of the vehicle. We have geofencing built around an area where we essentially draw a region that the camera can see and say, if a vehicle enters that region, we're going to mute the alarm. Okay. So that's, that's one thing. We are working on um, artificial intelligence of actually recognizing that's a vehicle and then create a bounding box around the vehicle and say, okay, wherever it's moving right now, do not alarm here and masking that off, you know, okay. for instance. So those are some some strategies to deal with the tougher problems. So the artificial, yeah. coming back to that artificial intelligence, you're you're training the camera to recognize? Is that what, what you do right. with it? Really? So, okay. yeah, so there are solutions where we have, and either it's the, the AI or the deep learning model is running on a, uh, intelligent gateway. This is essentially like a mini embedded computer that does the image processing. Okay. Or we have certain cameras that have that on board. They have already a trained model there to recognize vehicles and those kind of things. And we sometimes have to retrain the models based on what sort of vehicles, um, you know, are we exposed to and, and, and how well that model is recognizing those vehicles. Because mm. it could be if it never, if it has never seen those vehicles that the, um, success rate of detecting it properly could be, you know, maybe below 85%. Okay. So it's, it wouldn't, it would still lead to false alarms sometimes because it wouldn't just quite recognize the vehicle properly. Gotcha. Okay. So why, why is it, you, we've talked about smart cameras essentially. Now you just talked about an intelligent gateway. Why, why is it important? Why don't you have just have all that in the cloud? Why don't you have all the intelligence there? Why, why is it so important to have, you know, on edge, if you will, capabilities. That's a uh, yeah, that's a good question. So the um, it's to a degree, it's a philosophy kind of a question. You could offload everything into the cloud, but as we have just determined earlier, IoT really works on an event-based situation. So if you want to make the decision about an event in the cloud, you would have to pump up all the image mm. information into the cloud, which means you have to constantly stream a lot of data. And if you have a system with you know, 20, 30 cameras, that's a lot of data yeah. that has to be uh, sent up to the cloud. So then the question becomes, okay, what is the method of data transfer? So our systems work with um, cellular modems. So you, you put a SIM card in similar to the one that you have in your cell phone, but you know, a data plan Cost money. The more the more data you use, the more money you pay. Oh yeah, I have I have children with smartphones. Right. Yes. So if you were streaming video, um, and we would have to stream it more or less uncompressed because we're doing image processing on it. Wow. That would be a lot of data that we have to pump up. Okay. So we decided to segregate this and have intelligence on the on the edge, so to speak, which is on the factory floor. Okay. Um, and perform the higher data throughputs there and then boil it down to decision-making points and only bring those up to the cloud. And, and that gives us also an abstraction layer to the sensors that we're connecting to it. So we can, we're becoming, our cloud system becomes more or less sensor agnostic. So we can really use, um, <clears throat> you know, different, different cameras in there, whether it's visible or thermal, we can use different sensors, smoke detection. We have outputs to turn on a sprinkler system or fire suppression system. Mm -hmm. So we can do all of those kind of things. And, 
and another advantage of, of using cloud intelligence like we do is also a certain amount of built-in redundancy, especially when we're talking about fire detection systems. How often does it happen that your internet provider goes down? Uh, more than I like. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> you don't want to have that happening when there's a fire event. That's yeah. just not an acceptable sort of situation. So we have redundancy built in. A, we use typically um, these cellular modems. So we, we make ourselves kind of independent of the customer's network, which is you know has all the security implications as well. But at the same time, also, even if even if the cloud or the internet connection goes down, our gateway retains the last known settings for alarm thresholds. Okay, and that's being regularly updated in reverse. So the cloud also talks to our gateway. It's okay. not just one way. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and then, and even if that goes down, the local alarm is still being serviced. Okay, on gotcha. the gateway. Gotcha. So just, I, I guess, uh, to understand the key components, and I think I, I understand what they are, to like one of these, to an IoT or IoT early fire detection uh, system, you have your sensors, and we've talked about thermal cameras. We've even talked about some smoke detecting, which right. you have installations that do both, right? Where you, right. Uh, but so you have the sensors. You have the gateways, so if I envision this, I have the cameras or sensors connecting to a gateway, then that gateway connecting to the cloud somehow right. could could be even a cellular modem. Right. So completely off a customer's network, going yeah, directly to the cloud. Completely independent, yeah. So going into the cloud, and then from the cloud, it goes to where? So the cloud, um, any any internet-connected device, so you can use your cell phone, you can use your any sort of web browser on any PC. Yeah from anywhere in the world, and you can check. If you wanted to check on things, you can go in there. You have your, your, your cell phone app or whatever, and you go and go in there and, and essentially check on the status of things. You know, and, and the cloud also can send you um, reports on, on a regular basis. Let's say every Monday morning, I want to see how things went. Hmm. Were there any alarms? Who, yeah. who responded to them? Or did we come close? Or, or is something that camera three looks at constantly getting warmer for whatever reason? So there's also early warning capabilities. Yeah. Say something isn't quite right here. We're not at an alarm level yet, but you may want to check this out. You know, and then we have additional features in there, such as our map view feature that is an interactive map. Um, we can essentially take in your facility map, plant the camera icons on there, and if anything happens there, the, the icon turns red for the camera that, that senses something that's, that's out of bounds. Um, and the system can send you just the URL for that, and it's it, for that map view, and it's dynamically being updated. So you can click on it without having any credentials um, or being even a user of the system. You can just click that link, like you would click any other link that somebody sends you. Yeah. And it opens up a website for you that shows you currently what's going on, it's like the full situational awareness. Imagine you being a, um, a firefighter or first responder, uh, and the system has notified them, hey, facility A has. Uh, a fire alarm. So what do they do? They go usually line of sight, they're driving to the facility, they, they, <laughs> they know the address. If it's a very big facility, multiple acres, they don't, they don't know where's the main entrance possibly yet, unless they're familiar with it. Yeah. Um, then they don't know where are the, the fire hydrants, where's the electrical utility cabinet to turn things off to be safe, where's the gas? All those things the fire department needs to know to prevent further issues if there's a fire outbreak, right? So while the fire department is, is, is um, going to the facility, they could look um, with a tablet or their cell phone at that map 
and essentially follow along what's going on, what's the best way to enter that facility, where's all the utilities located, so they can they can already prepare themselves for the quickest response, you know, and not just go line of sight, oh, there's smoke, I'm going to go there, and, and now I have to do something. Yeah. You know, so we can prepare them the best we can already. That's awesome. You know. So, yeah, that's, so a first responder is able to do, do, do an assessment even before arriving right. on the scene. Yeah. And I, I, I know we... I know you have lots of uh, projects going right now right. and uh, different industries, different applications. Um, and we have to be respectful of non-destructive, uh, not non-destructive, but non-disclosure agreements. Right. <laughs> Non-destruction agreements, no. Uh, non-disclosure agreements. But um, there was a fire marshal, as I understand. Right. At one of your installations. Yeah. That had the opportunity to see this system. Right. Maybe you could just kind of share what their response was. Right. So, so, so that customer is on a regular basis doing their fire season, hiring multiple people that are on fire watch, and their entire job is sitting in their vehicle, parked on a field, looking at a certain portion of the pile, making sure there's no smoke. Yeah. Nothing is happening, and they sit there for eight hours straight, and the next shift comes in, and they have like multiple people sitting around the pile. That's their entire job. Um, so we basically have designed a system now that replaces these people with a thermal camera looking at that because now nobody needs to look at it 24 7 it's like if there's an event the alarm comes yeah right so the fire marshal um, is very aware of this facility <laughs> because they have <laughs> on a regular basis issues yeah so even the fire watch says, hey, oh, now we have an incident. Now the fire department has to come out and, and, and do something about it. Um, so in this case, um, our system would, would, would um, you know, make sure that, that uh, nothing is going on, but, but then immediately notify the fire department of where is it located, mm. you know, what's going on, and hopefully buy that extra time because there's not going to be any smoke development. So the human eye could only see if something is that they cannot sense heat. Yeah. They have to wait till there's smoke development. So we may be coming in minutes earlier and give them that extra, you know, runway, so to speak, for the fire department to come out and, and pull that apart and, and kind of address that with you know very little intervention. Yeah. At least that's that's the hope, obviously, to 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 buy that extra time there. And, and, and address that. Yeah. Right? Awesome. I, I've also, without revealing too much, uh, I know we've heard from some of our customers about um, savings on insurance premiums by having such an, er, you know, an early warning uh, type system in place. Maybe, I don't know if you could speak to that. Um, right. Yeah. So that, that happened several times. The discussion is where, un unfortunately, um, people become more aware of early fire detection uh, uh, technologies such as this when something already happened. They had a yeah. multi-million dollar loss because something burned down. And the problem is not just the fire. It's like, okay, even if you have a fire su a suppression system and you have massive sprinklers coming off, whatever the fire didn't destroy, hmm. the water will. Yeah. So yeah, you really have, all you're doing is you're saving the buildings and obviously very important, you're saving lives, obviously, but wouldn't it be great if you didn't have to go there? If you could deal with the potential fire hazard before the sprinklers come on. And that's really where the early fire detection system with thermal technology comes in. It's like preventing the need 
for having a sprinkler system come on. I mean, it should be still there yeah. as a means of, of catching it all. But, but for the most part, we should be able to catch the fire before the sprinkler system comes on and therefore prevent massive amount of, of, of damage. And um, so the, the insurance uh, companies are kind of aware of that. And um, they don't want to pay out. They're on the hook for paying out large sums of money. But, you know, and, and, and the operators of these facilities, if they, if they did have a catastrophic event, often the insurance pays out and then dumps them from mm. basically claims them as being uninsurable later. Yeah. Or they come back and say, hey, you have to do something better than turning the sprinkler system on if you have a wildfire going on. Mm. Because at that point, it's too much damage. It's for too everybody. late. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so they encourage uh, folks to say, hey, you know, you should really look into this sort of technology. And we, we A, might sign you up again <laughs> if they had an event or they have an incentive where they give uh, some sort of a discount to say, hey, if you have this in place, it helps you guys and helps us as an insurance carrier as well, because we don't have such a big loss claim. Yeah. You know, so. All right. Awesome. Marcus, I'm going to I'm going to ask you the tough question now. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. I'm, but I'm prepping you. So uh, we've talked about thermal imaging. We've talked about IoT and awesome talk, talking about it first, you know, full circle from the sensors to the gateways, to getting it in the cloud from the cloud to, you know, the end users, you know, through reports and dashboards and right. map views that you talked about, even first responders being able to leverage that. Um, what next? Where do, what, where do you see this going? What could be the next thing when it comes to this early early fire detection and IoT thermal imaging? It? What do you think? Well, first of all, we want this to be everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in terms of what comes next, it should be standard issue. Mm. You know, for for most industrial applications, I mean, just one event and it has paid for itself. Yeah. You know, just one event prevented has paid for itself many times over. I mean, that's that to me is, that should be a no-brainer. You know, if you're thinking about an insurance, um, that is insurance. Yeah. But in a way, an insurance that can actually help prevent something, not an, an insurance that kicks in once everything is destroyed, yeah. you know. So so from that perspective, what comes next is that that would be to me our goal and our vision to, to get this out there, yeah. you know, and, and get accepted. Uh, you know, and on a way broader scale kind of a thing, you know. Now, we, we have also applications in uh, condition monitoring, machine condition monitoring. Yeah. Because, again, if, if a machine, a production equipment, something gets too warm, it can get damaged. So the same technology really can be applied to things like that as well. Yeah. Right? It doesn't have to be limited to only fire detection. It could also be uh, done for condition or machine condition monitoring. It, 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 and it seems like even beyond condition monitoring, just having this increased awareness of a process right. or uh, like an asset in condition monitoring uh, or the safety of the, of the environment, early, early fire warning, early fire detection, it, it seems like uh, you know, applications are, are, are limitless almost, right? right. You're, you're just on the cusp of something here. Right. Yeah, yeah. We, we have uh, a lot of other things in development uh, for, for different applications yeah. as well, using the same platform, cloud monitoring platform that we have in combination with our intelligent um, gateways. Because, the, for instance, the, even though the technology is largely the same for condition monitoring, 
there are different challenges there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For instance, if you if you're monitoring an, an electrical motor, and you can say, okay, if it gets too warm, then alarm. Well, what what does it mean? It gets too warm. A, a motor that experiences a a, a bigger load, if you will, uh, has to work harder, is going to get warmer. Yeah. So at what point is it abnormal? So the 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 upper end of the spectrum is like, well, if, if the motor is operating beyond its its operating range in terms of temperature, that's a no-brainer. Of course, it's too hot. It's about to catch fire itself. Yeah. But you really want to have that early detection capability. So you need more information than just the thermal footprint of the motor, you need to also know what is the load on the motor. And you could measure this by the measuring the current, the yeah. electrical current that goes into the motor in the first place, right? Yeah. And those kind of things. So if you combine multi-sensor feedback from that motor, for instance, you could then make a more intelligent decision to say, is this the normal operating temperature right now for that load case or not? Or you can tie in uh, recipe management from, from the process and say, hey, if we're running this widget, we know the motor is going to be getting warmer because it has to work harder. So if you if you bring that sort of feedback into the intelligence of the system, you have an awareness of, oh, it's working harder. Therefore, we can adjust the, the, the threshold of alarming a little bit up. And we, we know it's going to get a little bit warmer. So you can, you can automate those kind of things, right? Where if you just point the camera at something, you don't know enough about it. No, so, exactly. Right? Yeah. So, it's hot. It's cold. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And that's, in fact, in our next episode, we're really going to be talking more about condition monitoring. Yeah. How you can utilize thermal imaging, fixed thermal imaging, additional sensing technologies that you've touched on already, because you need to understand, paint the entire picture in order to make that assessment. Exactly. And how we can connect all that again through this IoT cloud-based platform. Right. So awesome. So not to keep our audience hanging, but we're going to keep you hanging until the next episode <laughs> uh, when we really dive in and, and talk more about condition monitoring. Um, Marcus, any, 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 any final remarks or comments uh, before we wrap up? Um, other than I'm really excited about, uh, you know, having a scalable solution in the market finally. And then, yeah you know, really deploying uh, system of the system out there and, and seeing the value that it creates. You know, it's really, really exciting, uh, you know, to, to see that all come to life. Well, yeah. I, I know when you first shared that, this solution with me, I as well, just the simplicity of it, as far as like hardware setup, integration, tying everything together, but how, how powerful it can be, right? Right. Yeah. Also the peace of mind that it creates because as part of the subscription that we offer, we also offer free technical support and uh, the ability to do health monitoring on the equipment. Yeah. You know, we have situations in the past where the customer didn't maintain the system very well because it was just out of sight, out of mind. And the cameras were just getting really dirty and dusty. So the camera couldn't really see anything anymore because it was really dirty, right? Yeah. Um, and they didn't notice because nobody looked at it. And it could have missed, we were out there coincidentally for some, some other issues and we looked at the camera like that needs to be clean. But so now we can do this remotely with our IoT solutions and we can notify, we check regularly on all of our customers' equipment and we can regularly 
uh, informed the customer said, hey, you need to do maintenance on camera three. Something uh, isn't right there because the image doesn't look sharp anymore, yeah. for instance. You know? So that comes with the service. So it's, it's really like this peace of mind, worry-free sort of an operation. You know? well, I can see, especially for an early fire detection system, early warning system, how critical is it to know that it's actually operating properly? Right. So that's amazing. Yeah, and it has also self-monitoring intelligence built in. If a camera doesn't communicate anymore, wow. the system automatically sends the customer and us an alarm message and says, hey, camera so-and-so is, is offline. Nice. Um, and so you have this constant awareness of, of you know, your system if you need to have the awareness. If everything is in the green, you won't know that it's around. And then <laughs> if something is abnormal, it, it'll tell you. It'll tell you. Yeah. Wow, amazing. Well, that is it for today's episode of the thermal review uh, thank you for listening um, and uh, please join us next time uh, we've already mentioned that we'll be talking more about thermal imaging and how it's impacting condition monitoring uh, in the manufacturing space you, you're not going to want to, to miss it so make sure you subscribe to our podcast on right iTunes or Spotify and uh, of course if you ever want to learn more about any of this subject matter uh, we have a phenomenal uh, knowledge base library at Multitherm, uh, www.multitherm.com. Come and check it out there. And of course, you can always reach out to us. Exactly. Uh, very helpful team. Thank you. Thanks.